Hey, Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. Let's talk about travel to and from Iraq, something we haven't really covered yet. So the first thing you do is you get on an airplane. No, the first thing you do is buy an airplane ticket. You can't Uh. just rock up to the airport and be like, hey, I'd like to go to Iraq. That's true. That's true. They won't let you. And really, I suppose if we're going to get down to the nitty gritty, the first thing you need is a passport. (laughs) Yes. Which, in my experience, very few Americans have their passports. That's so sad. Yeah. Let me just give you a piece of advice, dear listener. If you do not already have your passport, get one. It's very handy. Mm Mm-hmm. You can use it as, like, ID for all sorts of things. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe it will inspire you to travel more. Yeah. Or you might need to leave the country quickly for some reason. Right. You know. Crime. (laughs) I don't know why people leave the country quickly. Anyway, (laughs) rabbit trail. So, yes, get your passport. And then you have to book flights, which you have to make sure that you get on the right days and the right times (laughs) and in the right time zones. Yes. And that 12 p.m. is very confusing. Yes. I don't know if... Is it 12 a.m. that's very confusing? Right. I I don't know if I have ever done the thing where, like... You're booking a flight and you book to leave on what you think is the next day, but it's actually the same day as the flight that... Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so Done there's it. these things called time zones, <laughs> and it can be very confusing to fly across time zones, especially when you cross the, like, when is it, the where you switch from one day to the next? What is that called? The International Dateline? But we don't cross that one flying to and from Iraq. No, but you lose hours and stuff, and it gets weird and tricky. Mm -hmm. So I bought my own plane tickets the first couple times, Um, but then I actually ended up using a travel agent, um, which was kind of nice. He could get me tickets for cheaper and, like, manage some layovers and stuff for me. Plus, um, and we'll talk about this later... I once missed a flight and was able to rebook because I had a travel agent. Oh. Um, and I didn't have to, like, buy a whole new ticket or anything, which was kind of awesome. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used a travel agent. My first several flights were booked by me by people here at Servant Group. Mm-hmm. Or for you. For me. Not by me. For me, by people here at Servant Group. And so, like, the first time I went over, I went with a huge group of, like, 16 other people. Mm. And we were doing a summer camp. So that time I just showed up and traveled along with and just was swept along in the crowd. Um, Then I did, yeah, buy my own tickets. And I did have a few that, fortunately, I caught them early enough. But, Mm -hmm. you know, where I did realize that my flight left before I actually arrived. Right, you had to reschedule everything. Had to reschedule some things. Um, For me, it was always a challenge figuring out what airport I was going to fly out of. Um, Because the town that my parents live in doesn't have an airport, and the closest international airport is, like, three hours away. Mm -hmm. So it was always kind of like, well, do I fly from a smaller airport to the international airport and have to do the whole, like, switch terminals things? Because now a lot of airports have a separate terminal for international flights than domestic ones because of security. 
or do I just make my parents drive me three hours? Our bigger international airport was two hours away, and that's the one we always ended up going to. Yeah. Usually, there are several different ways we've flown in and Mm -hmm. out of Iraq. Um, The first several times I flew through Europe, primarily with some sort of layover in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, That's less common now, as other things have opened up and become cheaper. Uh, I've also flown lots of different times through Turkey, um, primarily through Istanbul. Mm -hmm. Uh, That one still tends to be a pretty good one, although, you know, with the way politics goes, you never know what's going to happen there. Um, And then the other direction I've flown several times was through Dubai. Uh, And that one is less common, I think, now. But for a while, it was kind of our primary route. Uh, It's just a really expensive place to stay, even for a night or two. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if the flights were cheaper, you had to take into account hotels and stuff there that were not cheaper. And I think that's a thing that we usually suggest and that I usually did was plan on spending a night wherever your halfway point is because usually because of time differences and because not a lot of people are flying into Iraq you can't coordinate for your incoming flight and your outgoing flight to be within like 12 hours of each other the one and only time well that was coming back so maybe I should save that but it didn't work out for me any time that I've tried to do it like Without me having to leave the airport, it has never worked out. I mean, there were a few times where I did sleep in the airport or, like, hang out in the airport for 10 to 16 hours. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily recommend that. Right. Um, Especially, like, I can't sleep on an airplane. Oh, okay. At all. And so, for me, it was almost always worth it to get a bed and get a good night's sleep and arrive on the ground somewhat with some with mental it. faculties <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah I would say traveling to Iraq in some ways is not any different than any set of flights you've ever been on where you you know go through airports and you go through security and you mm-hmm. find your gate and your flight and you know that kind of stuff we've with, had some adventures with the exception of whenever I have had flights where my ticket is booked all the way through to Iraq Mm -hmm. every single time when I check in for my flight the person checking me in is like are you sure you want to go to Iraq (laughs) like do you have your visa do you have everything you need like why would you want to do this (laughs) right and I have to explain to them no I don't need to have a visa I know your little screen thing says that I need to have a visa to be able to get into Iraq, but I'm not actually going into Iraq, Iraq. I'm going into Kurdistan, Iraq, and they'll just give me a visa when I get there. It's fine. I do this all the time. Stop freaking out. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. And that is kind of a nice thing, is that, like, you don't have... Well, currently, you don't have to apply for a visa into Kurdistan ahead of time. They give you 30 days, Mm -hmm. I think, a Mm -hmm. 30-day tourist visa. When you arrive, which is really, really nice. Really handy. Yeah. We have, you know, you occasionally run into some problems in flights, just like you will flying anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And for both of us, since we flew back and forth over many years, we, you know, had probably more smooth transition, you know, transports than not smooth ones. But sometimes the not smooth ones stand out pretty well. Yeah. I will say I never lost luggage. 
No, neither did I. Any of the times back and forth. I mean, never. I personally never lost any of my luggage. Some of my luggage did get lost, but then it came back. Like, it was eventually found. Mm -hmm. And they were able to get it to me in Iraq. Nice. Even though it got lost by British Airways in London. Um, So I was was pleased with that one. But no, I think my biggest problems were usually caused, in part at least, by my own (laughs) mistakes. Sure. I still get given a hard time about (laughs) my, probably my biggest flying mistake, which was almost 13. 13, over 13 years ago now. Mm -hmm. So you've Um, learned and grown. I've learned and grown since then. Um, But yeah, I uh, was meeting up with a bunch of servant group staff in Boston, and they had like my startup money and like my travel money. Mm -hmm. And I was just supposed to meet them there from my flight. And like my flight was delayed, and I was there at the gate. And the plane was there, but they wouldn't let me on it. Oh, no. And so the plane with them left to wherever in Europe to eventually hit Istanbul. And I was like, okay. And they booked me on the next flight. It was only a couple hours later. Like, I think I went through a different intermediate city. I hadn't planned well enough or brought enough cash with me. Which, it, I mean, travel with cash is right, important. Right, And I, I don't even know that I... I don't think I had a credit card at that point. Mm-hmm. I had an ATM card. Didn't work in the international airport. So I arrived in Turkey only a few hours after all of my my friends and teammates with $13.14. Which is not enough. Because the Turkish visa is... $20. And, like, the whole... At that point, you had to buy it in the airport. You had to buy it in the airport. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the whole way, like, I talked to the different stewards, and I talked to different people, and everyone's like, there there should be a way for the airline to help you. It's the airline's fault that you missed your connection. Like, they'll help you. They'll help you. Well, by this point, like, I'm on, like, a third airline. Right. And finally, this one lady just helped me, like... Just an airport like employee took my took my thirteen dollars and I don't think she actually took the fourteen cents. I don't think she felt like that was going to be useful to her. Um, but she just took my cash and paid for my visa, and I was like, I'm so sorry. But it's like the first time I've ever like sat there and wondered, should I like beg for money to right. pay for my visa? Like, how did I end up here? <laughs> um, and so then I got out of into the airport, you know, got my luggage, and now I have to figure out how to get to the hotel. Hotel With no money. With no money at all. Yay! Fortunately, Turkish taxi drivers are just really sweet and wonderful and helpful and... And crazy drivers. And crazy drivers. But, like, I talked to this one guy, and he's like, oh, I'm taking people that direction. Like, I'll just take you with me, you know, Mm -hmm. and them. It won't be any problem. And then, like, their flight was delayed. And so he's like, I have to wait for them. Like, I I can't. And so he's like, I'm going to call up my friend, and he's going to come get you. And I'm sitting here going, am I supposed to be doing this? How else am I going to do this? Am I going to get kidnapped? Am I going to get kidnapped? I don't think so. And, and so, I yeah, didn't. I didn't. I got to the hotel, and I was like, I'm really sorry if you'll just wait here for one moment. I mean, he knew in advance. Right, right. That, like, 
I was meeting my friends, and, like, they had my money. And so I get into the lobby, and they're all in the lobby. Perfect. I know. And they were so surprised to see me because they're like, well, she missed the fight. It'll probably be tomorrow before Uh she gets here. And they're like, oh, Colleen. (laughs) You were like, look, I need money. Look, I need money right now. (laughs) Can you help me pay the taxi driver? And they were like, why don't you have any money? And I was like, it's a long story. I have zero money. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Please just play pay. Please just pay for the taxi. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. I think I think my first time in Istanbul, we did decide that we were going to overnight, and I had booked the hotel. I was traveling with my to-be roommate. Um, and I will say, we do try generally to send people with other people who have already been. Well, and I was going for that was my second time going and I was supposed to be traveling with other people yeah things Uh, happen things happen um but we got out of the airport and the only thing I had was the name of the hotel which I mean is something (laughs) but not really enough Mm -hmm. and so like I told the taxi driver like we didn't get in the taxi we were just standing there talking to the taxi driver and he was like yeah I don't know where this is And so he called someone up, and then they, like, and they got, like, flight attendants that were standing there waiting to go to their hotel to come over and, like, try to figure out where it was. And then I think they did figure it out. They did figure out where it was, and we got there. And he, like, he was long-suffering, but I think he was just so done. He was (laughs) like, here's all your stuff. Thanks for the money. See ya. (laughs) So, Crazy tourists. I don't know where they're going. Or another time I went through Istanbul and had pre-booked a hotel. We got to the hotel, and it was closed because they were remodeling. (gasps) And you're like, wait. And I was like, what do I do? Like, I have already paid for this hotel room. I think, fortunately, like, the front desk maybe was still open. Hmm. And so the guy at the front desk came out and he was like, yes, I'm so sorry, but we have a sister hotel. We'll put you in that hotel. Will that be okay? And I was kind of like, eh, I mean, this is like the middle of the road hotel. I guess that's fine. They put us up in their five-star sister hotel with like, he was like, and because it's our fault, like, we'll give you complimentary dinner tonight too. So we got like this super nice room in a super nice hotel that had like a pool and a spa and wine and cheese on the roof for like hors d'oeuvres before dinner. And I was just like, oh, oh this worked out real well. Great, no problem. So yeah, there are always those little bumps in the road along the way. Well, in that time, we ended up spending a whole week in. Istanbul. Really? We were not supposed to, but that was when there was only one flight going in and out of Erbil each week. Mm -hmm. And the flight we were supposed to be on got canceled for some some unknown unknown reason. reason. And so we had to wait a week for the next one. And so we spent a whole week in Istanbul. I got really familiar with some of the places in Istanbul. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get stuck in a city, Istanbul is a pretty cool city to get stuck in. And it's pretty cheap and Mm -hmm. tourist-friendly. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And, like, the public transportation isn't that hard to figure out. And you can get almost anywhere you need, really, by walking. And there's always enough to see by walking. Right. Um, So then you get to Iraq, Mm -hmm. to Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. Did you fly into Suli primarily? Or uh, there weren't flights to Suli for the first several years that I was there. Okay, so um, you were flying in I and out I flew in and out of Erbil at first, and then Suli later. 
Um, yeah, my first, very first flight into Suli was in July, mm-hmm. and we arrived at 6 a.m., bright, sunshiny out. I remember getting off of the airplane and walking across the tarmac, because they don't do the, right. the holes or... The tubes? The jetways. Yeah, the the weird tubes that come to the airplane. Yes, the people tubes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, so yeah, and I just remember thinking, it is so hot. It is so hot. This must be like one o'clock in the afternoon. It's so hot. And of course, you like have no no sense of time. time, Right. And then to find out as we got into the airport and I saw a clock that it was only 6 a.m., I was like, How hot is it going to get? If this is 6 a.m., what is going to happen to us? It is. It is a little disheartening. I think I had the same reaction when I flew into Erbil and we got off the airplane. I was just like, whoa. It was like an oven. I think it was afternoon Mm -hmm. when I got in. but And that was before. So they've recently, within the last five-ish years, redone the Erbil airport and made it a lot nicer and oh, they do have the so jetways and stuff yeah. and so you don't have that shock but I remember getting into the airport and the way that, that it's set up still is that like there's the airport terminal area where you go through and get your visa get your passport stamped and then you get your bags mm-hmm. and then you have to get on a bus and go to the pickup area. Right. It's the same way in Suli. And, like, it's for security. I get why they do it, but I had never been in an airport like that before. Oh, yeah? And so my roommate Anne and I get off, we get through, we get our bags, and we, like, walk out. And we were told someone will meet you at the airport. Right. So we get out to where we presume is the, like, pickup point. Uh-huh. And we're like... No one is here. No what do we do? One is there. We don't have a cell phone. We can't call anyone. Like, we don't even have a phone number for anyone. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? And so we just kind of stood there and, like, observed that everyone else was getting on these buses. But you don't know where those buses are going. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, we don't even know if we can ask anyone. And, like, at that point, there weren't other Americans traveling through. Oh, really? Okay. And so it was just like, what do we do? And I think eventually somebody was like, yeah, you need to get on this bus and it will take you down to where you can be picked up. Um, which at that point, and again, it's different now, but at that point was just like a, a roof, like pavilion, like a carport, carport pavilion, carport yeah. pavilion uh-huh, uh-huh. and a dusty parking lot. Yeah. And that's just like crowded with a bunch of Iraqi Kurdish Men. people. Men, yeah. <laughs> and we were like, okay. And we get off the bus and there's this guy standing there with a sign that says Anna and Hannah. Yay! And we were like, I guess this is right. Here we go. <laughs> and it was, and we were fine and it was yeah. great. Yeah. But then the next year, we, again, we had the time date thing, mix up thing. And fortunately, I had a cell phone for Kurdistan at that time and the phone numbers I needed. But we got out to that part and no one was there. Oh no. And so I ended up calling and being like, hey, we're here. Is someone going to come get us? They were like, uh, we thought you weren't getting in until tomorrow. (laughs) Hold on. And I think we... I mean, you maybe could just get a taxi if you knew where you're going. I think we did end up getting into a taxi, but there were three of us, mm. and one of us had brought so much luggage that, like, ah. I have these pictures of us, like, crammed into this taxi with these suitcases, and it's just like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. 
Um, yeah, Texas. But we had to go to a friend's house to get the keys to get into our house, and gotcha. Yeah, it was kind of a mess. The one thing I did like about the airport too is that there are only two baggage claims, Mm. and so you could stand in the middle because you never knew which one your luggage was going to come out on because there weren't signs. Right. So you could stand in the middle and kind of like watch both. Huh. Rather than having to be like, there are 16 luggage, baggage claim baggage things. Claim. Where do well, I Well, there's go? not usually more than one or two flights arriving right. at any time. That's not too hard. I don't think there's more than one in the Suli airport. Yeah. I've been in Erbil when there have been at least two in at the same time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they just have everybody's luggage come out on both of them. For silly songs with... Not really. I'm not going to sing. But I do want you to share this podcast if you have a chance. Even if you don't have a chance, this is your chance. So share this podcast with someone who you think would find it interesting. Someone who loves to travel. Someone who hates to travel. Someone who doesn't have their passport because everyone should have a passport. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. And then back is... The same, only backwards. <laughs> only backwards. The thing you have to plan for in returning is the fact that the Middle Eastern flight in and out of Iraq is going to be less predictable and like right. less likely to be on time. And so mm-hmm. you can't back that departing flight out of Istanbul or Munich or Dubai very close. Um, the yes. only time I tried doing that out of Dubai, I ended up missing the flight we made it there, and again, in time, but I think it was an hour and a half before our flight left, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let us check in unless we were checked in at least two hours in advance. Mm. We're like, we're here. We just got in, just yeah. got through, like, made it through all of the customs, customs. and everything. But yeah, that's, that's where I ran into my biggest problem. Um, I was flying back by myself, I think in the summer. I think I just ended up leaving at a different time than everybody else. And had booked my flight so that I had five and a half hours mm-hmm. between my flight arriving in Istanbul and my British Airways flight leaving. And I'd been through the Istanbul airport a lot. Right. And I was like, yeah, five and a half hours, that's plenty of time. Like, I can go through customs and get my bags and then check back in for my next flight. Yeah, and not. Should- it should be perfect. Be good. Except that they decided that that was the day that the um, passport control just was only going to have, like, two people. Hmm. And they had, like, seven flights get in at the same time. Hmm. And it took me five hours just to get <laughs> oh. through passport control. You're like, oops. And which meant that by the time I got to my bags, they had pulled them off and mm-hmm. had them at, like unclaimed baggage right and you have to go and fill out all the forms for to get all your stuff back and so by the time i got to the british airways counter no one was there oh because they do the rotating counters in Mm -hmm. istanbul and so i had to go find the british airways office and when i got there no one was there either because all of their staff was checking everyone onto the flight that i was supposed to be on oh no And, like, I got there to the window in time to have been able to, like, if they had let me through, get onto my flight. But because no one was there, I couldn't get through. So by the time someone finally came, and I stood at that window for... 
30 minutes with no one there. And I was like, this is the only thing I can do. Yeah, I don't know where else to go. I don't have any other option. Um, So when she finally got there, she was like, okay, because you use this travel agent and because you were technically here on time to get onto the flight, we'll just book you onto the next flight and you won't have to buy a new ticket. Nice. And I was like, yes! Because, of course, it's the most expensive ticket that I would miss the flight for. Right, of course. But at that point, the next flight out is the same time the next day. Right. And my parents have to drive three hours to pick me up from the airport. Mm -hmm. So I have to let my parents know that I'm not going to be on that flight, not Mm -hmm. to freak out. I got to sleep because I had taken an early morning flight. Well, most of the flights in and out of Iraq, I remember, they're all like in the middle of the night or like 4 o'clock in the morning. Or maybe maybe I had taken a middle of the night flight. Uh That's what it was. I took a middle of the night flight. So I had been up already for 24 hours. And I was like, I can't just stay in the airport for 24 more hours. Like, I'm going to die. And so I was like, but I don't have a hotel booked. I guess I'm just going to have to go down to like the hotel booking counter area where mm-hmm. I know I'm going to pay way too much and yeah. they're going to try to swindle me and it's going to be awful. <laughs> but at this point, I just need to sleep. And so I went down there and I was like, hey, I need a hotel just for tonight. I need to make sure I can get into a hotel that I can s- get into a room right now and sleep. Primarily, I need to sleep because it's the middle of the night in America. I can't call my parents they're in bed. If I call them, they'll freak out. Right. So I get down there, and the guy gets on the phone. He's like, okay, we found you a place. Like, they're going to send a driver to take you there, and they promise that, like, it's only five minutes from the airport, and the room will be ready, and you can go to bed as soon as you get there. No problem. It's like, good. That's all I want. I don't care that it's, like, $100 more than I would normally pay for a hotel. It's fine. I'll do it. I get there, and it's, like, this little hole in the wall, which is fine. Like, a lot of the hotels are little hole in the walls, and they work great. It's great. And I check in, and I was like, hey, I'm the one that called from the airport. You said you'd have a room ready for me. I'm here. And he was like, well, they're cleaning your room. It won't be ready for 30 minutes. And you're like, but that wasn't the point. Right. I was like, but I need to sleep. And he was like, well, go upstairs and have some breakfast, and then your room will be ready. Leave your bags here. We'll we'll take care of it. And I was like, I don't want breakfast. I want to go to sleep. But I was like, I don't have an option at this point. I'm here. Fine. I went upstairs. Breakfast was almost over because at that point it's like 11 o'clock. Right. So I got some like cold, gross coffee and really dry pastry hmm. and sat up on the roof and had a very lovely view of the Bosphorus Sound. Mm-hmm. But all I could think of was sleep, 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 sleep. I went back downstairs. I don't think I even waited 30 minutes. I think I waited 15 because I was just like, I can't. Like, I'm going to fall over. Went back downstairs. I was like, okay, I need to be in my room now. He was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and they put me in this room that doesn't have air conditioning. Oh, no. And it's Istanbul in the middle of the summer, which isn't bad. Like, they are right on the sound and, like, but I was it's just like. Humid it's then. humid and it's the middle of the day. I need to have my windows closed so that I can sleep. I get in the room, and the AC is not working. Which, again, normally, not a problem. It would be fine. But I have to have it to be able to sleep. <laughs> so I called back down to the front desk, and he was like, oh, just open a window. And I was like, no, I'm not opening a window. Like, it has to be dark. I have to sleep. And he was like, okay, we'll put you in another room, but 
you know, we have to clean another room, so just don't touch anything. I'll call you back when your room's ready. And I was just like, seriously, just don't touch anything? No. I, like, went to the bathroom and, like, pulled the pillows off the bed. And, like, I did, like, lay on the floor, not on the bed. And an hour later, he called and was like, okay, your room's ready. <laughs> it was kind of, it was the worst one of yeah. all of my trips. Yeah. And I think primarily because I was sleep deprived and had not planned well. It was, it was pretty much entirely my fault that it was so bad. But I did get sleep. I get, did get in touch with my parents. I did get out of there the next day. It was fine. But ever since then, I've always been like, just plan. I'm just going to plan on spending 18 hours minimum mm-hmm. in Istanbul. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll, it'll just all work more smoothly that way. Yeah, I will be a happier person. It'll be great. Yeah, I think my only real problem coming back that wasn't the fault of that Middle Eastern flight being late was weather in the United States yeah. coming back for Christmas. There were several times where I either got, you know, flights changed, diverted, canceled, stuck in Boston for 24 hours, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which was all unpleasant. But right. Which happens when anyone travels at Christmas in the right. U.S. I will also say, when you come back from Iraq, going through security and customs to get back into the U.S. can be interesting sometimes. Yes. Um, I definitely have done the randomly, quote-unquote, pulled from line to get my hands and the bottoms of my shoes tested for, like, explosives residue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and inevitably questioned thoroughly by the guy at passport control oh what were you doing in iraq why were you there how long were you there why have you decided to come back to the u.s now and never like pulled out of line and at that point anyway and taken for additional questioning but definitely like uh one of the shortest conversations i had one time and i think it's because i just shocked the guy so much he was like oh so you've been in iraq how was that? And I was like, it was great. And then he looked at me and he was like, okay. And he signed it and let me go through. That was the shortest one I ever got. Yep. And he was just like, what? Yep. Or the like, this happened to me a couple of times, the conversations you have on planes with the people sitting next to you. So where are you coming from? Where are you flying in from? Uh, Iraq. And they're always like, oh, are you in the military? Thank you for your service. And, and it's like, kind of like, no, 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 no I don't really want to explain all of this to you. It's so much easier than it used to be. Yeah. And it's getting easier all the time. I started flying through Vienna mm-hmm. because there's a better, more direct flight with yeah. better times. Yeah, none of our teams have had problems getting in and out Mm-mm. recently. I mean, we... Uh, some me and some of my team went over land once through Turkey. Mm-hmm. It was really fun and interesting. I wouldn't recommend it. It's just right. really exhausting. Right. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of travel and a lot of buses. But there's always interesting things to see along the way. Mm-hmm. Part, in part because you kind of almost have to stop somewhere. Right. You get to see and experience something. And yeah. I think my first year and my last year, and maybe a couple times in between, since I had to be in Europe anyway, I would take a couple days and like... And we spent a couple days in London Mm because our flight happened to go through. And we were like, well, we'll just book tickets for a couple days later. Yeah, Um, I spent a few days in Greece that way. On my way out my last year, spent, uh, took us different flights and went to Vienna, uh, not Vienna, Venice. Mm -hmm. 
mm. for four or five days just kind of by myself as a like going back to America and I need like a minute <laughs> to process and it's cheaper to do it that way because you're not flying across an ocean you're just flying like I think I flew from Vienna to Venice and it was like a hundred dollar flight maybe yeah it was super cheap and we recommend that to our staff to some extent. If you get the chance, if you have the time, take a little time for a mini vacation somewhere. <laughs> a in little Europe. bit of transitionary right. period, because uh, as we'll talk about in a few episodes from now, I think um, the process of returning to the U.S. I mean, there's just a lot of cultural changes, and mm-hmm. it can be as jarring as arriving in a new country. Absolutely. And so if you have a little bit of that transition time, it kind of separates you from both ends of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a later episode. It's fun. I kind of, part of me kind of misses the drama of travel. (laughs) And part of me is kind of like, I think if I had to cross time zones like that again, twice a year, three times a year, I think I might die. Yeah, I got to the point where I really dreaded being on an airplane Mm -hmm. and like some of those flights they're just so So long yeah and there are only so many movies that you can watch before you're just (laughs) like i don't feel anything anymore i feel nothing (laughs) nothing is real real. only this airplane is real that weird hum and this stale air Mm -hmm. and the little tiny bathroom Mm -hmm. for those long flights do you have like three or four things that are like your go-to, like, whenever I'm on a long flight, I make sure that this, 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 and this. I always make sure to ask for extra water. Yes, water. I think that was the first thing that came to my mind is, like, water. Yeah, stay hydrated. You get so dry. Even out. if you have to get up and go to the bathroom more often and you feel like you're being obnoxious to your fellow seatmates, mm-hmm. it drastically reduces your jet lag on the other end yeah. if you're well hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other piece for me, and you said you couldn't sleep on flights. Mm -hmm. I found the key for me was having an eye mask. Mm -hmm. And I would put on that eye mask, and if I don't see any light, I can knock out and just be asleep. Yeah. I think for me, it's noise and knowing that there are people around me that are not sleeping. I just, I can't get over it. So did you ever try earplugs? Uh, I did. It didn't help. Like, I just know that you just you know. can feel that there are people around you. Yeah, um, so I think related to that, a good neck pillow mm-hmm. was really important for me. I always travel now with a blanket scarf. Yep, that's what um, I was going to say. I always travel with, if not a blanket scarf, a scarf big enough to use as a blanket if I need because to. Because staying warm, especially some of those really long flights, they get really, really cold. My other thing that I almost always bring at this point is compression socks. Because, one, I get they keep your legs warmer. And I like to be able to kick off my shoes, especially on a long flight. Um, so I'll wear slip-on shoes that are really easy to get on and off. Especially if they'll fit in the pocket in the mm. free seat mm-hmm. front. Because I have lost shoes before. I mean, I always found them, but you kick off your shoes and sometimes they go away. (laughs) Um, But compression socks keep my feet and legs warm and really help my feet would get not swollen, but like sore Hmm. from sitting for Mm -hmm. that long. Mm -hmm. And so compression socks always really helped. Yeah. Which kind of makes me feel like an old lady, but they're awesome. And you can get them in really fun patterns now. The other thing I always bring with me is a little tiny first aid kit. 
because mm, I once cut idea. my foot on the side of an airplane. Didn't even realize it till I was walking around in the airport. And so I had to buy a Band-Aid. And Band-Aid, like a Band-Aid was like five bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And it was hard to find. And right. so a little first aid kit with a few Band-Aids and a few little wet wipes. And I almost always brought protein bars of some kind too. Mm-hmm. Pretty much stopped bringing any sort of snacks with me because I just never ate them and then always found them squished in my bag later and I did it more because I was afraid if I miss a flight Mm. and I have to wait in the airport I don't want to have to buy airport food um so I would bring protein bars or little packets of instant oatmeal Hmm. because you could get hot water from like a tea place or something they usually wouldn't charge you for it so you make your own little oatmeal there you go I don't think I ever tried that yeah I did it's a secret. It's a good, it's a good, not secret anymore. You just put it on a podcast. <sighs> yes, that's true. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Sleep, 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 sleep,